Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. He knows, Matt. Coulson knows. I know, and we're here to tell you all about it tonight. Uh, tonight's podcast is brought to you by Rosie's Desert Oasis Biker Bar. When you're looking for the dogs of hell in Nevada, tell them Lorelai sent you. Oh, <laughs> what would Rooster say? <laughs> well, she came to snuff the rooster and she did. Cock-a-doodle do. Yes. Uh, Tonight's episode, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 115, Yes Men. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry there, Matt. My, something was wrong with my voice. Yeah, that was like your, uh, your Lorelai voice there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always been uh, bewitching to both genders. <laughs> well, Pete, you know what our listeners might find bewitching is that uh, we are considering doing a podcast on the uh, Marvel Netflix shows uh, that will be starting in 2015. They, of course, will culminate with the Defenders miniseries. Uh, as it will be a binge-watchable type uh, bunch of shows, we're curious uh, to hear uh, how you, the listeners, would like to see the podcast uh, formatted. Right now there's a poll at fantasticgeek.com. It's going to be right underneath the post for this podcast, Podcast 115. Uh, so let us know, because it's something that we'd like to do if schedules do allow, depending on when it comes out in relation to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and real life and all of that. So definitely head over to FantasticGeek.com, vote in the poll. While you're there, you could consider supporting the podcast via a donation. You can click on the PayPal link to help us with our podcast storage and bandwidth costs. And even a little goes a long way. So that, Pete... Where are we up to on tonight's fantastic episode? In our debrief, let's take a look at the blow-by-blow blow of the episode. We pick right up from the events of last week. And newlywed Jimmy, newly to be divorced, I'm thinking, after he was newly separated, is ferrying the lovely Asgardian enchantress Lorelai around the Nevada desert when they roll up on Rosie's Desert Oasis. And a whole bunch of hogs, as they're called in the biker trade, Matt. That they are. And as I quipped on Twitter, uh, I think that there was a there was a, an opportunity for some uh, TV show crossover. If only they were battling the Sons of Anarchy. But alas, this time it was the, what was it, the Dogs of Hell, Pete? It was the Dogs of Hell and the Ooh. Son of Coal. There you go. So Very fitting indeed. We get this... Uh, a, a scene between Lorelai and Jimmy and the aforementioned Rooster, whose real ma- name is Dwayne. I'd go by Rooster, too. <laughs> um, and we find out Lorelai needs men. She needs gold. She craves power. And these dogs of hell are her guys in terms of uh, coming across her endgame. We then get to the bus where we see a rapidly recovering Sky. Simmons is uh, mother henning her on top of drawing uh, an Alcatraz uh, amount of blood. Listeners to previous podcasts will get that reference uh, in order to ascertain what is going on with the GH325, all of which, the only known quantity of which was injected into Sky in order to save her. Very big in the course of the episode, what's going on there. After Sky revealing she is the gratefulest 
she can be. Uh, we learn from Simmons that uh, there is an alpha residue that is uh, detected in Sky's blood. Um, the agent, Matt, who is that agent again that we've seen in uh, Avengers? He's oh, Sitwell. Right, yes. Sitwell, yep. Okay. Jasper Sitwell, Sitwell, I believe it is. Jasper Sitwell has a rendezvous with uh, Agent Coulson uh, in Lola side by side their cars and uh we learn that director fury who moved heaven and earth for this gh325 treatment for uh agent colson is uh nowhere to be found he is off grid as we are told which is likely part of the coming developments of captain america the winter soldier that will be out in just about three weeks and also point. also something that ties in nicely to last week's episode where he was trying to get a hold of fury and it was you got the impression he was speaking to uh, i perhaps wondered if it was uh, if it was uh, maria hill but probably more likely you know the executive secretary or that sort of thing uh just saying you know no he's not here right now and they couldn't get a hold of him so it was it was um explicitly say stated this week that they couldn't uh couldn't track him down last week though there was that implicit uh hint dropped exactly and you mentioned the lovely uh maria hill played by uh kobe smolders uh soon to be ex of how i met your mother uh just happened to see a cast list and this is a published cast list so it's not like they're keeping it secret but she is indeed in captain america winter soldier so oh shoot pete that's that's months they and months want, and months that's been known okay all right i'm just saying they want that so so she's with fury is is what that boils down to so you know where he goes she goes and uh sitwell informs colson you know that fury is a guy that finds you not vice versa the conversation of course closes with uh the customary how is tahiti and colson reveals of course that it sucked <laughs> an understatement of the uh, uh, of the evening if there was one yes we pick up that we have uh the similar readings that were detected in new mexico and london over the california nevada border obviously as guardians are at play uh a shield convoy races through the desert and before you know it we're being asked by the lovely sif you are of shield you're in grave danger Certainly a jam-packed, uh, jam-packed start to things, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it was such an action-packed episode, and I feel as though you know the, the point that we're at in the narrative right now is perhaps 10, 12 minutes in, maybe fifteen minutes in. That um, was all in the uh, the opening act. Wow! I well, it just goes to show you how uh, how the episode did indeed zip along. Yes, once we pick back up, we get the requisite Coulson exposition that he saw Sif take on the uh, the metal destroyer that Asgard sent through the events of uh, Thor in New Mexico. Um, and May is deeply worried about Coulson. She says that he's been gone more often than not. Um, and we learn about Lorelai's powers that not only her voice, but also her touch. And it's interesting in noting that, um, Ward was 
had to be touched. So obviously there was some issue as far as his resistance, placing him on a, on, on a stronger level. Um, and ultimately he is captured in the conflict and, um, wants to be take, she wants to be taken. Lorelai wants to be taken by ward someplace grand. Where Matt, if <laughs> Viva you're in Las Vegas, baby, <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. If you're going to go anywhere, which is, which is grand, or at least if you have, uh, you know, an Asgardian sense of grand, of course, it's Caesar's palace. Of course, you know, it, it why not? Why anywhere else? You know, um, uh, those of us of uh, Midgard might be more inclined, let's say, towards uh, the Bellagio. But of course, Lorelai is a is a Caesar's gal. Right. In the course of the chase for Ward and uh, uh, Lorelai, there is a widening conflict between Coulson and Simmons over the drug that she administered Sky. She does not. Uh, have the details about it, and Coulson is not forthcoming, not knowing them himself, other than the fact that it came from a blue alien. We'll talk about that much later in our Level 7 segment. But uh, we have a exchange between uh, May and Sif in the uh, previously dubbed Cage on the bus about her sword um, and the idea that Sif has lost a man in the past in their history to Lorelai and this idea too about Ward and May's involvement and that she may be losing a man here. Um, the idea of her being killed of, uh, you know, Coulson being worried about the uh, relationship between May and Ward is certainly an issue that is explored and there is this collar, an Asgardian collar that has previously been affixed to Lorelai for 600 years to prevent her from uh, using her enchanting powers. Ultimately, we track them to Las Vegas, and then there is the gambit where Ward takes Lorelai onto the bus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, hold on. You can't say gambit. That's a, that's a 20th Century Fox property, Pete. Sorry. <laughs> Um, Fitz before we know it is under the spell. Um, cause not only has he fixed the collar because yes, he is that good, but he's also caged Sif in the cage. Uh, ultimately Coulson plays along with the Lorelei con that, Oh, we've got to, we got to give her whatever she wants. Um, the, the sword battle between, um, uh, Sif and, um, Lorelai results in her sword breaking in two may and ward have it out simultaneously. And what's I, what I thought was a very interestingly and intricately cut, uh, fight sequence between the four of them. Ultimately we learn that, uh, once she's captured, um, Lorelai needs to be brought back because Odin, has ordered it, and we're going to talk about that in level seven as well, because that <laughs> is not all that it seems. And our secret scene tonight uh, shows us an alternate angle of the final scene where um, Coulson tells Sky about where her cure came from and that they're done uh, asking questions and now they're going after answers. And Agent May flip 
flips a switch. She says, we need to update log 93. He knows. Repeat, Coulson knows. I thought that it was a bit of a bit of a letdown secret scene um in part because i was convinced that they were going to have you know thor show up in some sort of fantastic moment um i think as i've digested it it's it's not that surprising that may you know kind of knows some particulars um yes we saw her as a desk jockey back in the pilot but i don't know it just it didn't strike me as as didn't strike me as kind of what I wanted from a secret scene. However, that said, is it propelling us towards, I was going to say next week's episode, but to the next episode? Uh, it, it is. And that's how these secret scenes often function. So it's not, it's not huge complaints on my part. Matt, remember, you're talking to Spoiler Pete here. Hashtag Spoiler Pete. Not only is this propelling us to the next block of episodes, this is propelling us to the next movie on April 4th. How so, Pete? Well, really, what are we talking about in Captain America, the Winter Soldier? We're talking about this conflict from within, this threat from within. And really, we've been building to this all season with the schism uh, within S.H.I.E.L.D. And now you've got a, a trusted member of this team in May informing someone else, presumably Fury or Hill, or whomever, Sitwell, or the Titus Welliver uh, agent, his name escapes me at this point, um, you know, of, of Coulson's uh, activities and his knowledge, this is all intimately tied in to Captain America. There's tons of potential here where the show could... Um... The show could take whatever whatever after effects there are after uh, uh, Captain America 2 and really run with it in a big, big way. Again, let's not forget that um, essentially, you know, if you go to the to the 8 p.m. show of Captain America uh, on April 4th, basically at 10 p.m., that's it for the, the Earthbound Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, until Avengers 2. For a year, so, yep. For a year. So all the more reason to just pass that ball off. If if Marvel really does have the the faith and the oomph um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That, that we hope it does and that we believe it does. And, um, you know, I mean, certainly TV by the numbers has, has yet to, to waver from anything other than, than a completely enthusiastic uh, a note on, uh, on the data behind there being a season two. I mean, here's the opportunity, man, to just take that that kind of political uh, organizational intrigue that that the movie will surround with and just pass it off to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and say, go run with it. Run with it in a big, serial way. And um, there's just tons of potential there. So here's hoping. Well, you will have to see. I suppose you already know, Pete. Hashtag spoiler, Pete. Indeed. So what's next, Pete? In our dossier... Let's delve into our female version of Loki, Lorelai. Excellent, excellent casting here. Uh, wonderful acting, gorgeous lady. Uh, I had wondered too, by the way. Um, not that, not that um, Sif is on the, the dossier for negative reasons, but given that we have these two, um, two Asgardians with. British accents. I had wondered if Simmons making fun of Sky's 
lousy British accent was perhaps an in-joke, given that at least Jamie Alexander is uh, sporting a fake accent. I don't know if um, if uh, Satine is as well playing Laurel. I'll look that up while uh, while you share some wisdom, Pete. Well, um, with Lorelai, we come to understand that she's been uh, at bringing down the nine realms uh, in her past. She's since been captured, and we know that she spent 600 years in in bondage and, uh, you know, in, unable to speak because of the, uh, the special collar that Sif has brought with her. She, uh, she bends and shapes the will of men between her voice and touch. And uh, she's escaped. We're, we're directly uh, tapped into the events of uh, Thor the Dark World. The dark elves uh, let her uh, out with all the other uh, prisoners in the Asgardian prison. And then she used one of uh, Loki's famous uh, portals to get herself to Earth. So, again, there's that Marvel Cinematic Universe synergy at play and and that's why i'm 100 percent confident the events of this episode and and you know this whole arc of colson you know looking for answers that these will directly tie into captain america the winter soldier the mention of her breaking out uh, uh in that prison break i thought that was particularly inspired because it um really does show us the expanse of the marvel cinematic universe in that we saw certain baddies escaping in Thor 2, and now we've kind of said, oh, well, you know, just, just kind of around that corner and down down the hall, um, uh, you know, what Lorelai was breaking out, too. You just kind of right. didn't see it in the movie. By the way, Pete, uh, Elena Satine, born in Georgia. There you go. Tbilisi, so... Georgia, which is to say the uh, former uh, Soviet Socialist Republic. So definitely... The farthest thing from a British accent <laughs> in that, uh, in that uh, she speaks, I assume she's a native Russian speaker. So, uh, so there you go. Let's be honest, too, about what you're saying. Yeah, just off screen and, you know, the, the tantalizing idea that that's there. You know, the honesty to know that Thor 2, um, you know, that scene was filmed at least a year ago this time. Um, but again, that they're able to call that know that it's coming write a tv script around it and reference the events of a movie that's been on blu-ray for now two weeks um you know there's nothing like this going on in in hollywood or you know um multi-format storytelling right now well i totally agree let's let's hope that the viewership numbers maybe tick up a bit i mean we'll update from the news uh, of last week, which was last week's episode, was the lowest rated yet. Um, I, I think that just falls squarely at the feet of ABC Absolutely. and the weird scheduling. But ABC also knows that there's the weird scheduling. So I don't know. We're, we're, we're at this shift here that we've discussed many, many times before, and we, we won't delve into now. But we're at this shift, obviously, in broadcast TV, the broadcast model, etc., I, I know somebody on Twitter was like, what do you mean next week's not a new episode? And you're sharing that anger. What are you going to do? It, th- this is the model they're working under. Uh, I'll tune in next time. You know, that's the best I can say. We'll, we'll catch the episodes when they're new. We'll hope that Clark Gregg uh, was correct, that we're going to get the final six in a row. We'll see. You know, I'm just kind of sitting here shrugging like it is what it is. What are we going to do? It is. And just like uh, Lorelai wants her gold, where the gold at? Okay. 
you know, we want our agents a shield, but you know, the, the mantra earlier in the season, trust the system. <laughs> this is an imperfect system of, of, you know, Nielsen broadcast ratings. You know, we, we just recorded a podcast over the weekend, um, Matt talking about the idea that, you know, Netflix, you know, streaming, uh, you know, shows that have been canceled or, uh, burned off. So this, this network model, it, we know it's broken. It's changing. Um, you know, the mantra has been trust the system early in the, uh, the season for agents of shield. Um, you know, in, in this system, we do not trust it. It's just a matter of time until it fully changes. Um, we sense the frustration of the viewers. We're viewers too. Um, but that we're 15 episodes deep that we have, uh, seven to go. Um, when we spoke to Clark Gregg, uh, in our exclusive interview a couple weeks ago, though, again, he joked that he doesn't have any power. <laughs> Who's he kidding? Um, <laughs> he believed at that time that the final six were going to air uninterrupted. So we'll have to see, um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, screened last night for Hollywood Press. Um, the buzz has been the best of any Marvel movie to date. And um, we have to really hope that that coupled with consecutive new episodes that everybody knows about will uh, further stabilize, if not uptick, the ratings. It really would be the best thing for the show to just have a run of episodes where people can get excited, get behind it, uh, and, and whatnot. Pete, and it's not. To, oh, uh, go ahead. It's not too as if there aren't developments to get excited about. I mean, last week in Tahiti, though it sucked for Coulson, it did not suck for us. And you know, level seven tonight, we're really, really going to be looking into. Um, you know, the mysteries of, of what's going on there, but there certainly are things to sink your teeth into. I, I think a general audience is having a hard time connecting to the show because you don't know one week to another. Is it new? Is it an old episode? You know, and, and while it's becoming the show that we're, we're reading in the media right now, it's becoming the show they hoped it would become. Because uh, you couldn't go inside with the, the references right away. At the same time, uh, the fits and starts are going to be confusing to a lot of viewers. Well, you mentioned the fits. Uh, one mention that uh, I think is worthy bringing up here in the dossier is that we had a nice reminder from Ward that uh, Mike Peterson, though heroic to us, he has not acted heroically. I thought it was a nice way to kind of keep uh, the once and future Deathlock um, in the story, certainly we assume he's going to be back. Um, oh, he's out there, baby. Absolutely. And the idea here, too, that, you know, we have agents turned on one another, the the use of the, um, the men, uh, both uh, regulars, and then we're talking about uh, agents in Ward and Fitz who get corrupted by Lorelai. So turning their own against them, which is going to be a recurrent motif here in this universe in the uh, not so distant uh, future, um, are, uh, we run into an issue that Fitz helps to solve before he's corrupted with the broken collar 
um, that they're going to use to silence Lorelai. And thankfully, he fixed it prior to uh, being turned. Um, I think, too, the idea that we end the episode off with Quinn is still floating out there, uh, even though he's in custody and Coulson uh, with Sky resolved to make him pay. So the other big bad that, you know, has been floating around for a while Bat, you had posited on uh, Twitter, you know, is there a connection between Lorelai and the clairvoyant? I'm going to go on the record and say no. I believe that this week's plot um, was independent of that, not to think that perhaps the clairvoyant couldn't see it. Um, but getting back into the Quinn stuff that we clearly have the narrative trajectory towards, I think is going to um, flush out the clairvoyant. You know, it's really funny that you mentioned that. I believe the tweet to which you are referring, I thought was talking about does Simmons know about the clairvoyant? Um, I, I, I absolutely could have uh, misunderstood it to use a, uh, to use a, a Bushism. Um, regardless, I think it's a wonderful thing to ponder. Is there a connection between Lorelai and the, uh, the clairvoyant? I would agree with you. Probably not. I think it, it, if you just kind of work backwards, Hey, Jamie Alexander is available and willing. Okay. Let's now do a, do a Thor lady, um, you know, uh, type, type, uh, episode. Um, so I think this was a bit more standalone. I mean, standalone to, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. I guess to the clairvoyant arc, that, that would be the best thing to call it. Um, Obviously not standalone in its connections to the uh, the MCU. So, well, listen, Matt. We know it's all connected. That's been the hashtag that uh, Agents of Shield and ABC are publicly putting out there. Um, so everything has its tendrils in everything else. But for this story to kind of dwell outside of it because of the involvement of Sif and Lorelai, and just on Sif and, and Jamie Alexander, you know. Uh, beyond classy, and we mentioned it on a previous podcast, but this is a woman who, um, you know, donned the outfit and went to uh, a children's hospital, um, you know, earlier, or, or I should say earlier in, in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season, but um, later last year, 2013, and, and, you know, it wasn't like a, hey, paparazzi, follow me and do this. It was a, after the, uh, the visit, here you go. And um, just just great and, and glad to see her get a little bit more of involvement uh, in this universe outside of the movies. Totally agree. Her dressing up as Lady Sif, visiting the kids in the hospital. Absolutely wonderful. Tell you what else is wonderful. If you haven't seen the outfit that she wore to the Thor 2 premiere, all I want to say is this. Double-sided tape. Lots of it. With that, yeah. Pete... What's next? Well, in our level seven segment tonight, we have a ton of mysteries to sift through. Um, not the least of which is the identity of our uh, GH, uh, our blue alien from last week's episode in Tahiti. Uh, at one point, Sif questioned by Colson about any of these uh, species rattles off six or seven different <laughs> type which I love it. I love that Marvel is keeping us guessing. I mean, yes, a lot of speculation is 
centering in on the Cree or the Frost Giants. Uh, but Sif makes Coulson feel better because none of these have ever visited Earth. At least as far as she knows. I mean, exactly. Pete, do you take that line as gospel? I mean, at least. Oh, no, no. That's the fun of it. Like, you know, haha, I don't know this. Uh, but what the producers are telling us is, you know, those Asgardians, they don't have the universe on lockdown like, you know, they would like us to think. There's a lot flowing around that we don't know. I think the events of Guardians of the Galaxy are really going to pop the cork on what's going on in the other corners of this universe this summer. Um, but it's tantalizing to imagine all the, you know, she mentioned the Mentonites and then several names I couldn't even write down quick enough. Okay. Um, one that was not mentioned was the, the Atalanteans, which, uh, had been some, some source of speculation as well. Um, but you know, I, I just love that as a device, like, don't worry, none of them have ever been here. Well, then why is there half of one in a tube that got blown up? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting, um, position that the show puts itself in with that mystery, because for people like you and I, Pete, who, um, have limited experience in Marvel comics. Um, like I wasn't sitting there going, Oh, it must be the Cree. It must be that this must be that I, I simply don't know. And I'll, I'll accept whatever they end up giving it to me and, and, and take it from there. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, are they going to, I'm just wondering how they're going to kind of merge the comic book fan viewer of the show with we kind of as, as lay people when it comes to the comic books in terms of its presentation, you know, is it going to be something with um, some big uh, backstory? For example, I'm just thinking of, let's say the, the black, uh, the black suit in the Spider-Man movies and the comics, this much I do know it's, it's uh, I mean, it, it's not just the alien symbiote, but it's also, uh, or it's also as a result of some galactic war that all the Marvel heroes went off earth, off earth to go fight, et cetera, et cetera. In the movies, they just cut the whole, you know, Marvel universal war thing and, and, and bring the suit here, the alien creature. Um, do they do something like that? Or with the whole MCU kind of available in terms of, um, you know, guardians of the galaxy in terms of, uh, of some of the baddies that we saw in Avengers one, where we're headed for Avengers two. Um, how kind of how kind of galactic or universal, you know, in a, in a cosmic sense, uh, do you go? Uh, it's, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. The only way I think it could fail is if you're disrespectful in some way to any existing canon, um, particularly a storyline that would be ultra popular. Um, but again, you know, my faith in the system and digging what I've seen to this point. Um, friend or foe with that alien, um, you know, I'm both interested and uh, pleased in the direction they're headed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another, uh, another way that the story, um, perhaps not for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but where the, the Marvel story is headed is that notion that uh, Odin wants Lorelai back. We, of course, know that Odin is Loki, um, yes. assuming that the times line up. And I don't know why it wouldn't. We saw that they were in London in what what I will call November, because that's when the movie came out. But there was the whole Thor: The Dark World business uh, in November, and then 
a week or two later in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there they are doing doing the, the pickup, the after effect. So we very clearly are after these events of uh, Thor The Dark World. So, I mean, heck, could we see Lorelai in uh, the next Thor movie? I, I think that they are very much hinting at that, whether that's a thread that they ultimately pursue because of the demands of, of that story remains to be seen but i think they're 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 certainly setting up the option they're certainly setting up you know uh loki to have lorelei at his side in thor 3 which is a bit difficult to say well beyond the idea of you know the backstory between lorelei and uh sif and the uh the man thievery that took place that uh Loki now operating under the guise of Odin would order um, Sif to collect Lorelai and bring her back. Could he be amassing a, uh, an army of Asgardian badasses and then reveal himself? I think anything's possible. I know there's been a lot of speculation that, you know, yes, Thor three is a go, but, do we spin Loki off and give him his own movie and um, go in that direction? He is clearly the most popular villain in this nine, soon to be 10 movie um, universe. So, you know, at what point do they ponder that if not already decided? Um, the, the other uh, level seven idea tonight, which I think, again, feeds directly into Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Once Ward goes AWOL and um, uh, Coulson and, and Sky are there as far as tracking him, Sky being the radar, um, Coulson reveals that Ward, as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., has drop boxes and resources available to him all over the, the globe. So it is not a completely unheard of nor unexpected thing for agents to go off grid and to be on the run from one another, that this has happened. Um, and we come back to the idea that Coulson uh, espouses at the end of the episode, um, though we're in the dark here, not for long. So they're ready to bust this mystery wide open. Unfortunately, I think it's going to lead to more questions um, I'm going to go on the record right now and say the blue alien is a Cree and they, as I understand it, are the, uh, the arch rivals of the Skrulls, the Skrulls who began the civil war, um, within the Marvel, um, hero hierarchy and that ultimately the Skrulls will be pulling the strings behind this widening rift in S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I'm going to put forth uh, a little bit of a different theory, um, not in opposition to yours, just, just of a slightly different topic. We had the first Quinn episode, which I believe was episode 103, the infamous episode that, of course, debuted the Fitzmonkey. Yeah. Um for a while, that Quinn episode just kind of seemed to hang outside the loose, uh, the loose overall story arc that we would kind of come to call 
the um, the well, just the loose the loose story arc that we've been been working with. Then they they have uh, you know brought him back into the fold, and you you look in retrospect and say, oh, he kind whether it's by design or not, he's been retconned into the clairvoyant arc. If the clairvoyant is revealed to be Loki, and I'm not committing that that is the answer, though, with a capital T, but if if that is the case, then this could be a a foreshadowing, or this could be you know retconned once it becomes locally Loki, or they're they're committed to that, or the show commits to it, whatever it is, um, where this is just, hey, Laurel, I just go go take a little peek down there. You know, we haven't done too well with you know, with our guys and the things that we've been doing um, in terms of the, the, the direct approach or the human approach, you go take a little, take a little, um, a little, a little peek there. So um, let me ask you this, Pete, what do you think the odds are that at the, by the end of this season, the curtain is pulled back, pulled back and here behold is the clairvoyant and it is played in the visage of Tom Hiddleston. I don't think we're going to see him on TV this season. Fair enough. One thing, Pete, that is very level seven that some people still do think that they did not see on TV, but I stand <laughs> steadfast is the idea of sky glowing red, the character sky um, during her attack as the, uh, you know, in last week's episode, I posted some, screenshots on fantasticgeek.com i want to preface any further discussion by saying i am not thrilled with the screenshots i took them on abc.com did the whole you know apple screen capture thing i am not saying that those pictures are definitive i feel that those pictures are uh show less than i saw on my screen nonetheless as i was watching it both my television on the original airing and then on on rewatch um from the website I did lighten the picture a bit, but I didn't want to fiddle with the colors too much. I am convinced, having rewatched that scene, shoot four or five times, if only just to try and get the right moment captured. Because, of course, when you hit pause, an ad comes up, the jerks. Um, I'm convinced that there was uh, an artificial, and by artificial I mean, you know, computer-generated, placed upon the actress sort of thing, uh, light that was rising and falling, and at one point jumps in a very... um, uniform manner up her chest towards her neck i am convinced of it uh, i know i we... did not rewatch it um i did think of that tonight though when sky was shown early in her convalescence there with the little uh heart monitor on the finger which mm-hmm. also has a red light to it so i'm almost wondering if we saw that reflected refracted projected matt um during that scene maybe seeing what you want to see i thought that as well perhaps it was (laughs) the actress and the prop unintentionally doing something i don't know Uh, i know that we have a decrypted transmission on that topic but uh, i just i welcome listeners uh to go out there uh it'll be dated um around uh around march 7th or so was the, the date of it so you can just scroll down depending on when you're listening to this you know it uh might be many years in the future, but uh, March 7th, 2014 was approximately when I did the post. So take a look. Uh, let us know what you think. I'm convinced of it. Um, am I so con- I'm convinced of what I saw. Am I so convinced as to, you know, say it, it 
is absolutely part of her story. No, no, I'm not. So well, she, time will tell we, Pete. We know she's an 084. Uh, she pointed out that, you know, uh, Colson hasn't sprouted a pointy tail just yet. Um, so we'll have to see. The last bit from me for level seven here is the amount of damage that uh, a tough cookie like May suffered in this episode, both to uh, her stuff, her flying boat, the bus, as well as her personal relationships in that now she's informing on uh, Coulson to shield. Um, You know, she says we're done here to Ward and Lorelai glimpsed into Ward's heart and it's not May that's there. Who's there, Matt? Well, I mean, we have very early on in the episode uh, when Ward kind of pokes his head into into Skye's little, I don't know, (laughs) medical cube. He arrives with a smile that says two words, ship Skyward. Which, for those of you not in the the ultra-cool set, that means relationship, Sky, and Ward. Um, I think that was certainly meant to be the implication. Wouldn't you agree, Pete? It is. I'm uncomfortable with the term ship. Um, I like to use entire words. That's just how I roll. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we've known it's been uh, trending that way for some time when we're shown in the previously on something that happened several episodes ago, we know that it's going to come up and we knew that may is using ward for one thing and it's not his, uh, security skills. Well, let me tell you this and I will say this very tastefully because I know we have, uh, we have some, uh, well, we have a variety of ages that listen, but let's just say friends, the front part of a plane is called the cockpit, and I thought that it was very, um, very metaphorical that it was in that location that uh, that May told Ward, "Get out, we're done. This is over." Um, take that as call take that the, as what you want. We call it the flight deck in the know, Matt. Well, look, do you, A, Melinda May will call it whatever she wants. Yeah. B, um, I don't know that. This is a show that necessarily needs to marry itself to. How about this? On a on a jet that has VTOL, that's vertical takeoff and landing. I do know some, you know, uh, some plane stuff too. VTOL engines on a on a beast that size. Uh, I, they might call it the cockpit. You never know. You never know, indeed. And whatever happens, I just want you to know we're all counting on you. Little- Surely. Don't call me Shirley. Pete, shall we uh, move on now to decrypted transmissions and more about uh, sky glowing red? Indeed. Uh, we had, and I believe this is a first for uh, for the podcast. No, first in a while anyway. We had a comment on fast, fantasticgeek.com about uh, my, my post and my pictures. Uh, and this is from Jamie. Uh, not spelled like Jamie Alexander, though, so... Not Jamie Alexander. Uh, but Jamie said, after listening to the podcast, I went back and rewatched that scene and sort of noticed it. The screenshots above at least confirmed that what I saw you were talking about. Uh, but I'm not so convinced the sky was glowing in a way that related to her being an 084 or being uh, given the GH325. It's so subtle. 
I, again, totally admit that that's the case. Uh, I'm not, I'm committed to what I saw. I'm not um, committed to it being a theory, to, to, to it being a thing. Um, so we shall see. Pete, moving on, uh, we had a tweet from Mike D, uh, who... Um, the, uh, the Beastie Boy? Uh, well, this would be <laughs> Davis MF five one four five one five zero on Twitter. Uh, okay. But he said, uh, "So no less beastie, but not that boy." I, I suppose that um, he said, uh, or he noted that Ward blames uh, Colson for uh, for some of the goings on, for what has happened to Sky and so forth, perhaps setting up some some trouble ahead uh, that they could mine there. Um, we also had a tweet. From Arthur Liu, or Liu, I hope I'm not in, uh, mispronouncing that. That's Arthurist on Twitter. Um, uh, he said, I'd like to see Lorelei try her powers on a gay man, which I thought was an interesting rabbit hole that perhaps we won't delve into super deeply here, but certainly uh, Arthur wondering where the different uh, nooks and crannies of the uh, the, the powers of Asgard might, uh, might, might, I don't know, find themselves on Midgard, shall we say. <laughs> no response there, Pete. Yeah, I'm not gonna really delve into to that one. I, I I guess. I mean, listen, they they set it up that it was a gender thing, not a sexuality thing. So I I think we have to, you know, use the in universe guide to uh, to guide us. I'll just mention in passing. I thought that there was some rather just casual. Uh, Casual, the casual back and forth between Sitwell and Colson had me perhaps uh, wondering about the former, but uh, who cares, Pete? It's 2014. And uh, we had a tweet from uh, Mike Sorensen, Warcry, who we're going to hear more from soon. Um, he said, uh, so now Sif will go home and say, this is say to Thor, uh, and say, I know something you don't know, if. Which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, the last tweet here um, is from Brooke Kozar. That's Beast by the Brook on Twitter. And Brooke said, don't know about you, but that thing was not a frost giant. Hmm. I don't think it is either. With that, Pete, let's move on to some emails. Email is from our pal Mike Sorensen. Uh, he says, okay, I'm late to the party. But such is life when you want to make a movie. Yeah, that's right. I'm plugging my own project. So plug ahead, Mike. We'll uh, we'd be happy to, to <laughs> chat with you more about that. But uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he says, So first off, let me say that I called it a ways back, perhaps in an email to you. As soon as they mentioned level 10, they knew it was Director Fury. Fury equals 10. Then he speculates uh, Maria Hill equals 9. Uh, Coulson, Hand, etc., level 8. Colson is right up. Don't forget Garrett is level nine as well. He actually says his next thing is, I don't, however, think Garrett is level nine. I think Garrett is also level eight. He's just friends with Colson. So he gets to call him a jackass with impunity. But a level eight jackass at that uh, there, there's a, there's clearly a difference in uh, rank. I, don't disagree with you, Pete, but I'm with Mike on this one. I think it's kind of – it could be said with a tone of like, we're both level eights, but how did you get here? Um, oh, I could completely see that it is. I, I just – I don't think that it is. Fair. Time will tell. 
Uh, Mike goes on to say a couple of things you brought up in the podcast. You referred to bad guy one, two, and three in the guest house, but there were only two guys. They showed them gearing up. They were both involved in the initial gunfight where one was dropped dead, the second was wounded, and that's who Coulson found in the hallway. And I'm fairly certain that they were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents standing watch as caretakers of the facility. Um, frank- frankly, it seems like a really crappy posting to me. Uh, it doesn't help that they, you know, died. So, Pete, I think fair is fair. If it was two guys, fair is fair. Um, I will disagree with Mike here now, though. I, I'm sticking by my guns that it was not a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, that it was a facility of some other agency. I'll stick by the one, two, and three, and that that was a trope, and uh, I was just throwing numbers out. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Mike goes on to say, "I don't know what the GH subject is. I rewound to see if I might have uh, see if it might have been Coulson, uh, as in he was and is still dead, and they were using his original body to recreate him, but the nose seemed a little different. As for Sky, I don't know that I noticed her being red. Ah, somebody else who's not backing me up." But I might have missed it. I thought the color of her skin turned more dark purplish, like a variation of a GH subject. Again, I'm willing to be wrong on the turning red thing, but I know what I saw. When uh, we find out she's made of liquid metal, none of this is going to be uh, material anyway. She's sent here from the future. <laughs> um, Mike starts to conclude by saying it's not original at all, but since you guys mentioned Hulk characters... And no, I do not think Sky is in some way hulking out. Uh, I still think that the clairvoyant is going to be Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. the leader, played by Tim Blake Nelson in the Norton Hulk film. I know, Pete, that's something you and I, I don't think we're behind that as a theory that we are rooting for, but it wouldn't surprise me. It would give me a chill as it's revealed. The reveal would be cool, but I wouldn't be like, what? Oh, man, how'd you do it? You know, I, to me, that's, that works. That's totally doable. And to be able to speculate over this stuff is is fun. If you just know, oh, it's a frost giant, blah, 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 that Asgard isn't at the center of what's going on here, I think is interesting and fun. Because if Sif is able to say, oh, there are two blue aliens and that's it, you know, it, it's too simple. So... You know, Marvel is succeeding. We're, we're playing the guessing game. So they're getting what they want. And I think that's great. Next email is from Michelle, uh, our agent number one. And, uh, you know, Michelle is a very verbose, literate, thoughtful person. And here is what she sent uh, at 9.05 p.m., five minutes after, the, four minutes after the episode concluded. The subject line is an intelligent and well-reasoned email message. And it is this, capital letters, OMG, WTF, OMG, May, exclamation point, exclamation point, times about eight, WTF, question mark, exclamation point, OMG, have a good evening. So Pete, were you blown away by all the May in this episode, all the things that May was put through, et cetera, et cetera? I don't think that uh, Agent May, played by the lovely Ming-Na Wen, possesses what mortals know as a breaking point. But she's reached a place where she doesn't care. 
um, that she's able to cast aside Ward, which we knew was going to happen at some point. But now that she's able to inform on Coulson, I think really colors her in the most black and white terms we've seen to date. Do you think that we see an episode where it's kind of a flashback for her? um, And it's kind of because she was so kind of sheepishly uh, desk bound. I'm wondering now if it was some sort of um, the long con or the long undercover mission. She's undercover at, you know, Melinda May is undercover as Melinda May, who's had too much, who's talented, but she's just going to drive. And Colson's going to be like, come on, I will fix your broken wings and help you fly again. You know, has this, has she been undercover like this from day one? Um, it's an interesting thought interesting place to go to you know it is there was a direct reference to a particular interest uh, interest uh incident um that they made in the pilot um i'd have to go back and and look at my notes or or watch it um i think we're going to get her story either in in flashback or in gratuitous detail i'm i'm rooting for the flashback i want to see you know, where May became this hardened uh, cavalry um, reference has been made as well to the sky uh, discovery. So um, we'll get it. You know, listen, we, we want to let these things unwind at their pace, but that they could use the hardness in her character here. Nobody else on this bus apart from maybe Ward, if he thought he was acting in the best interests of national or earthly security, would tattle on Agent Coulson. So she's got to be the one. Yeah, it's setting up an interesting uh, an interesting showdown ahead of us. And by the way, Pete, it's worth uh, mentioning that, uh, especially as we head towards the Easter season, it is indeed cavalry and not calvary. Those two are very. Did I say very, cavalry? Very you did not say cavalry. Oh, I'm just, right, I'm right. just clarifying to okay. our audience because I, I feel like Catholic oftentimes, school, man. Oh uh, yeah, it'll, I feel like it'll, it'll do it. I've heard many people say, you know, it's man, just you know, when you're in trouble, he's got to call the cavalry in. Well, that's that's a different kind of trouble. No, we'll we'll let somebody else do that podcast. But you he, go, Gutha, Matt. <laughs> Uh, the final email here comes from uh, Thomas Blake, uh, who says, Hey, fantastic geeks. Uh, good interview you two did with Clark Gregg. I'm glad you brought up the Salt Lake City Tribune comments. Now that Clark Gregg has clarified his comments, they make more sense. I do have question uh, have a question regarding when Clark Gregg referred to Sky as Agent Sky. When did she become an agent? I've watched all 14 episodes, and they never clearly defined her as an agent. Originally, Coulson brought Sky in as a consultant, which uh, then in turn uh, led to Ward deciding to take Sky under his wing and train her. However, it wasn't said out loud at that point that she's an agent. Uh, in episode 11, Agent Hand refers to Sky as a consultant, and no one corrects her and says she's an agent. In episode 12, when Fitz, Simmons, Ward, and Sky went to the Science Academy and met the Dean, Sky wasn't introduced as an agent. Also, if you look back at that scene, the Dean didn't acknowledge Sky. I'm not questioning her being a member of the team, uh, but my dad's fact, my dissatisfaction is that she's a member 
of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. My uh, question is regarding Sky's role. Is it consultant or agent? If she's a consultant, she should no longer uh, be doing field missions. Now, if she's supposed to be a field, uh, an agent in the field, she needs to start dressing like an agent instead of bumming around in the jeans and T-shirt. As always, keep up the good work. So, Pete, I put it to you. Thomas's question here, is uh, Sky an agent? Uh, well, first... She- I'll def- I'll defray my answer in that. Uh, thank you, Thomas, for the kind words about the interview. We've gotten a lot of uh, positive response, and uh, you know we are more than happy to bring that and other uh, experiences to you. Within the question, I think it is more of Clark Gregg giving her an honorarium and a a way to kind of bring us into the conversation to just label her an agent, not as if he's speaking, you know, three episodes down the road where she gets her badge or anything like that. I I don't think he misspoke. I mean, he was, he was guarded in what he could tell us. Uh, And part of that is the shtick, but um, I, I don't think it's as if, she is an agent, nor will she suddenly be granted agency status. I mean, she's got to go to the Shield Hogwarts or whatever. And, you know, Matt, you've speculated that could happen at some point, a la Wesley Crusher. 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 <laughs> well, I, I think a couple of thoughts here. I think that um, depending on what happens in Captain America 2, um, there might not be a need to go to uh shield hogwarts they just might do you know field uh promotion or field uh you know whatever it might be akin to wesley crusher uh i i think as well even if that's not the case um let's say that she goes to it while the show is off for the summer which would be the easiest way in the world to say oh you did the advanced course because blah, blah, blah. now you have a badge I think that the show is functioning out of an area where she was really meant to be the Winston Zeddemore of the group. Uh, you know, somebody who could be our, you know, our in, somebody who represented the audience. Um, that need for that character is now over. And I think they were kind of left with somebody who was an outsider. And there was an episode where she was saying, oh, I need to now, you know, dress differently. Yes, she's been bumming around in, in, um, more casual clothes lately she almost died uh, I'll, I'll give her that one but i think that for the purposes of the show so far whether they give her a badge on screen off screen train her on screen off screen i think that um you know when these actors show up to to film no one is no one is kind of aware of you know oh hey you know mr decacaster do you have your shield badge in your pocket so that you as a character can feel the weight of it in your pocket to remind you that you're a badge carrying member. You know, I think it's just, she functions as an agent the way the rest of them do. And they have their, their different roles to play uh, on the set. And, you know, this one sits at the computer. This one makes the guns. This one shoots the guns. This one, you know, flies the plane. Um, so I think in that sense, it was certainly, as Thomas pointed out, it was Clark Gregg calling her an agent, which I think is different than, than the show doing so. I could very well see the show completely dispensing with any sort of, uh, you know, musing. And all of a sudden it's just like, wait, she has a badge? What? It's like episode 208 and she has a badge. When did that happen? Oh, well, we just, you know, decided to move it along. 
we weren't going to spend the whole episode on like you know sky last name not mentioned and then she walks up to the you know the the the, the dais there and you know she has the cap and gown and gets the handshake they just might say no we're just not going to do that we're just going to move on to you know fighting sludge man you know that that, that sort of thing so <laughs> um a good close reading though there from thomas pete indeed and i think pete for that sort of close reading that is what elevates thomas officially there there will be no question here to agent of the week with all the rights and privileges therein so uh a, a, a reward there for thomas's um as i say kind of a close reading of the series while it's not a topic that i take a, a ton of um umbrage in the show not particularly exploring i like what thomas is doing and listeners you are you are encouraged to do as he did which is to really hold the show in, in high regard and say let's let's look at all these details here to, to reach some sort of conclusions whether it's macro stuff on the order of you know who the clear point will be or kind of on, on the smaller end holding the show accountable for its own you know kind of internal uh internal goings on so thomas agent of the week congratulations pete now let's just say thomas wanted to get congratulated from you personally (laughs) how could he reach out is this pete where you're going to reveal your home phone number no never never (laughs) that's uh that's level 10 information only director fury has that and he can only dial that from the sat phone um i can be found uh on twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 2,523 followers can't be long, can't be wrong, and and can't be long either till uh, I'm past that. Pete, you know what else isn't wrong, and but could be long, <laughs> is an iTunes review. And we want to remind everybody, we yes. love those iTunes reviews. Head on over. There's a link on fantasticgeek.com. Uh, which at least will take you then to, you know, iTunes on your computer, phone, etc. Say a little something, and uh, we might have more to say on that topic next week. Although, writing a review this week won't have any negative effect on next week's thing, right, Pete? Indeed. So, I will mention, too, if you want to say hello to me on Twitter, I'm looking back lost. But if you have a hankering for the Fantastic Geek, why, you can be like Thomas. You can email fantasticgeek at gmail.com fantastic with a ph of course uh you can leave a comment at uh, fantasticgeek.com and uh you can call the listener line 732-707-1815 pete will actually uh i believe will have an audio thing to share next week tease tease mm-hmm. um and uh, i guess that's all the different ways to get in touch with us right twitter email webpage, and phone so with that, Pete, this has been a, a jam-packed, fast-paced podcast, just as uh, the episode itself was. So I will say adios and farewell to all our friends listening, and even the enemies, too. Thank you for listening. And Pete, I will give you your final word. You were saying? You were saying?